I'm Jade English, and this is Finding Feel Good. Dancing isn't a routine. Like, we've been doing it since the beginning of time. It's just movement, babe. And it can be as simple as when you're burnt out, just moving your fingers is dancing. Yoga is an ancient science that has evolved to start to squeeze the tissues and move the muscles and get the energy flowing in different ways to your normal postures, like when you're sad and upset. But dance works the same. And actually, one of the pathways in yoga to samadhi or enlightenment is dance. It's been a few days since our Tantra experience here in Bali, and I've been trying to take a lot of what I've learned from those sessions, looking into people's eyes more and just trying to find that deeper connection. And I've also been like having a few flirty conversations with Ian on the phone. This morning, it actually started raining in Changu, which was quite nice to hear. And there was like pitter-patters of rain and the bathroom, which just, I don't know why it seems to have some really calming effects and makes me feel really connected to nature yesterday I went to like a little beach place where I sat and watched the sunset and honestly I could go there every night and not be bored and there's something really amazing about the beach here in Changu it's actually the only time that the roads get busy here when it's sunset everyone like rushes down to the beach and then you go there and it There's just this stillness there and people walking their dogs. Like there are so many dogs on this beach and people are drinking coconuts. And it just has this really peaceful end to the day where you feel like all is well in the world. And it does feel like you're really connected to nature. So today we're talking about ecstatic dance. I'm going to be trying that out here in Bali with Sean Goldberg at Udara Yoga Centre which is a gorgeous little place just right by the sea. I spoke with Samantha Moyo before we flew out here to find out more about what ecstatic dance actually is and what I should expect from it. She's the founder of Morning Gloryville, a sober, drug-free morning rave. I've never been to ecstatic dance or Morning Gloryville. I very nearly got onto one and then I think, I think I must have gone away or something, so I didn't get to go. So I'm just going to talk you through my preconceptions of what it is and correct me if I'm wrong. So sober, you go to a dance in the, well, I think ecstatic dance generally can be whenever, right? But with Morning Gloryville, it's in the morning and you dance around with no inhibitions to a DJ. Is that right? Yeah, so with Morning Glory, and I guess ecstatic dance as well, most of them are in the mornings. And the idea is that, yeah, you wake up and you go somewhere sober and you dance, basically. And it's about really losing yourself to the music. And, you know, like music and dance can be a meditation. It can be an opportunity for manifestation, but also a really good form of therapy, like There's no better form of therapy than shaking your ass and stomping and like letting everything (laughs) that you've been carrying go, you know, and the eye contact. I have to admit, I have to be honest with you, my mum is a dance teacher, right? And she had two daughters and neither of us can dance at all. Like I have two left feet. I feel quite uncomfortable dancing sometimes. But I hate that. I'm so jealous of people who can just, well, one, remember a dance routine. That's like mind blowing to me, but also just like let go in the moment. And I think emotions do get stored in your body as well. And if we were cavemen and say if someone made us angry, we might bash on the table or like, you know, try to impress someone by dancing. And I think we've sort of lost that nature. Yeah, but this is the thing. This is what I've been sort of going into companies and teaching people. It's like dancing isn't a routine. Like we've been doing it since the beginning of time. It's just movement, babe. And it can be as simple as when you're burnt out, just moving your fingers is dancing. You know, shaking your shoulders is dancing. Shaking your hands after a day of typing is dancing, you know? And like, like whatever movement you make is your own dance. I think with dance and art and painting, like all these things that are like every person's human right to express because they've become professions and industries. Sometimes we feel we don't have the right or we're not doing it right. But 
who set the standard? Like, come on, you know? You're so right. I think you've absolutely nailed it there. And I think in some ways, trying the ecstatic dance in Bali, I mean, I wish I wish we could also do the morning glory, Bill, but No, just go to ecstatic dance. It's fine. We can talk about it both, babe. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. It's just about dancing and that being a therapy for us all, you know? Free therapy yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So... First of all, the first event that you ever did with 29 people, how did that go? And what over the years did you then progressively see people being like, does something change within them when they do it? Totally, babe. Like, first of all, on that first morning, I'll never forget it. Because remember, there's only 20 so people in Village Underground, which is a 700 capacity club in central London. Oh, my God. And so, you know, we failed at the first hurdle of filling it. But it was so powerful. Like, the people who were there were just like, oh, my God, why have we not woken up like this it just felt it felt ecstatic it felt new it felt like when you're coming up when you've just had an orgasm like it just felt like that I'm moment up <laughs> yeah 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 it just felt like that moment of purity and because we all felt that it like it really pierces into your heart like everyone went and told about 50 people each because the next event was like 400 people. The next Whoa. event was like sold out and the BBC came. And then after that, the whole bloody world knew about it. And suddenly people were flying in just to be part of the energy. And, you know, a lot of it was that we wanted to bridge the gap between the hippies and the city workers, get everyone into one like massive juicy dance. You know, and I think what was great was it was accessible to anyone. So you have mothers and babies, you know, you have city workers, you have your hippies, you have like just basically everyone can be in an ecstatic dance, you know, so. And I guess you feel in more of a safe environment. So this is the thing I find with dancing. I'll go to a club or a bar or something like that. And I feel like my friends can all quite naturally move in the conventional way that we have been taught you should dance or this is what a dance move looks like. And I suddenly think, I'm not sure I can do that. I feel a bit rigid and a bit stiff. So even though I can definitely tell my nature wants to dance in the way that I imagine ecstatic dance is going to be, but there's like maybe that self-consciousness that goes, oh, hold on, I'm not maybe going to be dancing in the way that I'm, it sounds awful, but supposed to or have been conditioned to think that I am supposed to be dancing. Yeah, but you know what was one of the best things about it being at 6am is that we were all in the same boat, waking up at 6am and you have four hours to sort your shit out before you go to work. Sorry to say that word again. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like a lot of people would come apprehensively and just be like, you know, I'm not a dancer. I'm not a you know, we all have ideas about what we are. But when like seven, eight hundred people around you are like going for it and Fat Boy Slim or, you know, Basement Jack, so whoever are there, like giving it beans, you are moved by the energy of the space. And I think that's that's one of the beauties of life and crowd experiences. It's like just, you know, you go somewhere open because you want to discover new parts of yourself. So when you go to the ecstatic dance in Bali, it's like you don't know what's going to happen. You might like lose yourself and be like dancing on a table. Like <laughs> you don't know who Jade is going to be in that experience, you know. I can't wait. I actually can't wait. I think also as well, I can tell your energy. I think the person who runs the ecstatic dance there energy must transmit through to it because I'm not being funny just doing this with you now I feel energized and I'm like I want to go for a sober rave right now (laughs) yeah I am ready I am with you if you want me to put it on Jade I will like you know just for you anything babe yeah 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 (laughs) I mean it's so good that after like you called a failure at 29 people at the first one you know a lot of people would have given up after that so it's so good that you did push through that what was your thought process when you were going through that like you know 29 people show up and you think oh no 
And then actually next time you're like, hold on a second, this works. As a person who had been drinking and taking so much for so long and to experience a sober morning dancing and the impact on me after and all my friends, it was kind of obvious that it was a helpful tool. It was a healing method. And so despite, you know, that initial failure, we just believed in it. So we just carried on because we felt the impact. And, you know, after six months, we'd stopped drinking in the way we used to. A lot of the community got off all the ketamines, cocaines and everything. I think that was one of the reasons it became a movement because people actually were like, oh my God, this has helped me stop. It has helped me with my addiction because I have a community that's focused on health, on dance, on music, on feeling good. Like all the unicorns, like there was a whole, I mean, you never came, so you never saw that we had like a glampede of unicorns. What? Yeah, so the unicorns were a massive part of the experience. We had these real life humans dressed as unicorns, <laughs> just being sexy and fabulous. And then suddenly you had all these bankers and, you know, VC venture capitalists coming and wanting to be unicorns as well. So, you know, it went beyond the sobriety and the feel good. It went into actually, this is a place that allows me to be unapologetically myself, you know. I guess we've unintentionally married the two together, haven't we? Alcohol and drugs go with dancing. But actually... I'm guessing what you're saying is you don't actually need the drugs and the alcohol because once you pick up on that energy, that's its own natural drug. Exactly, exactly. And the reason we were doing those things was to express a lot of the, I guess, childhood traumas that we were all carrying, you know. And then we found that we could still like release and be our crazy selves without it. Yeah. And I think as a result, like thousands of people have become, you know, much more honest about how they feel, able to dissect how they feel, able to pull people sober, (laughs) which is something, you know, suddenly we can all have sex sober. I know what you mean. Even if I was to go to a party now, I still think I would be apprehensive about doing it sober. Like even just like one drink, I feel like it takes the edge off it and you're not anxious about seeing people or I don't know what it is. It's not something I'm proud of, but I think a lot of people, especially people in the UK would say it's a similar case to them. Has it stopped you from drinking or taking drugs completely or did it just like help you with that? Sorry, I hope you don't mind me asking that question if it's not too personal. But like, do you think this could be a sort of gateway for people to stop completely or actually just realizing, hold on a second, you know, I can be myself without taking anything? I think it's both and what you make it. For me, like it was such a pleasure to then go on the sobriety journey after experiencing it because since the age of 15, I'd never known myself sober and not taking stuff. So like to start at 27 being sober was just like a new life experience. I was seeing the world differently. It was, yeah. So some people can go down that route, but then a few years down the line, now I can have a glass of wine and I can go on a magic mushroom trip and like not need to do it every single weekend, you know? So, yeah. And actually now I like to say, oh, I'm going to take a break from sobriety and have a night out with my friends, you know? I've always been quite a heavy drinker since I was about 14, 15. I was always like a proper party girl. Spoken to quite a few people who become like this. I suddenly became totally sober, like would not touch any alcohol or anything. But then I think all of a sudden you realize, well, I personally did anyway, a lot of my childhood traumas and stuff like that started coming up because unconsciously, I think before what I was potentially doing was, oh, okay, I'm not liking sitting on my own with my own thoughts. Let's go meet up with a friend. Let's go have a drink. You know, let's get off our tits and you don't sort of realize that you're actually just doing these things to mask some pain that's going on deep down. 
And then I sort of managed to swing back to, you know, like you said, at the same time. I mean, I haven't taken any drugs in a very, very long time. To be honest, I'm actually a bit scared of them now because of how they did make me feel. And I got really anxious and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like I'm quite steady now, but I can thankfully drink again and not feel like, oh no, if I drink, it's a really, really bad thing. And therefore I'm just masking all my pain. Do you see what I mean by that? I do. And it's quite controversial for me because I've inspired like millions of people to go on their sober path. And so sometimes people will message me like, or can I interview you about being sober? And I often have to say, I have to be honest, I actually live in balance. Like, because sometimes red wine does help me because there's only so much feeling I can do. Like, do you know what I mean? And processing, I'm doing my best, somatic experiencing, therapy, yoga, meditation, chanting, doing it all. And once in a while, I just need a glass of red wine. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And that's fine, you know. And I think, remember that when all this started with Morning Glory Ball and stuff, it was at the start of this wellness and conscious revolution. I think we all needed to go, you know, completely like anal about it in order for us to take it seriously and stuff. But I think years down the line now, we're just realizing that you know, enlightenment is all of it. It's not living like the Buddha all the time, you know? So, yeah. And feeling good doesn't necessarily mean just being in a yoga studio. Sometimes it is being a bit hungover and thinking, oh, last night was fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? Was so, fun. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that is where this wellness space which is one of the main reasons I want to do this podcast, to be honest, because I know there is definitely things that can help with that journey. And I think these things are great, but I went through a really bad period after I'd sort of gone on The Apprentice and I was like so low. I sort of had surrounded myself with quite toxic people, as you can imagine in those sort of situations. I was really not cut out for... I say fame in, in quotation marks because it's very, very low, low level, but still that was very, yeah. Anyway, and I was like only going to be healed through meditation and yoga and all this sort of stuff. And every person I spoke to in the wellness space was, do not take any medication. It's all bad. It's evil. It's the big corporations that are trying to get your money and brainwash you. And eventually I just got to a point where I I needed to go on medication. So I ended up taking antidepressants and they actually got me back to a place where I wasn't having panic attacks every day. I could get to an even keel and sort of, you know, get my shit together. Because otherwise every day I was just waking up thinking, I can't bloody do this anymore. Like I don't want to, but I'd be looking to coaches or ceremonies or all these sort of things, hoping for them to fix me. But I do think where it can become like toxic wellness, really. So I think there's a time and place for both, isn't there really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also just want to say I understand and, you know, I want you to felt heard. Like I understand that thing of like uh, reaching some level of fame or being known by a lot of people and being a sensitive and the come down after that. Come down, totally. Yeah, I had that from after Morning Gloryville. That's why I went to Bali for six months, actually. Really? Yeah, because I'd been running this movement for like five years, constantly surrounded by people in mm. press. And then after just like feeling empty. <laughs> empty, yeah. Just empty, drained. And, you know, and people would see me and just expect me to be this person. I just wasn't really because I was shattered. You have to build up an identity, don't you? And then all of a sudden you're not just you, you're this identity and then you can't live up to it because it's not even a real thing. It's just this thing that's been created. Yeah. But Bali helped you. Bali helped me so much. And it's funny, like, you know, some people who met me out there were like, oh, I didn't know you were like this. I was like, yeah, I'm just Sam, you know, I'm a cat. I like to be chill. Like, I'm not (laughs) like, do you know what I mean? Like, just because you're running a company or doing something beautiful, it doesn't mean you're like 
sitting on this throne being perfect you know I'm awkward I'm therefore weirdo I say the wrong thing and yeah and, and I'm actually quite shy that's why I love dance floors because it's the only place where I feel truly like I can lose myself without judgment mm. you know I love that and then so I guess after you took a step back from that do you feel like you could just breathe and get back to yourself I'm learning how to breathe. So yeah, back on that, going to Bali was the best thing ever because I actually met like people like Russell Simmons who are also on their own come downs from running, you know, big missions. And I'm actually getting to know myself for the first time because remember I was drinking since 15 until 27. Then I was just running this big company and being sober for the first time. So these last three years are like the first time I'm like, oh, like actually able to be with myself and integrate some of the things I didn't really understand, you know? So yeah, it's really beautiful. I feel lucky, actually. I feel really blessed. Yeah, even with lockdown, like, so, you know, sometimes it feels like it's going on for a bit too long, but I've just never had this much space to understand like the complex being that I am like I don't think I ever will have this time again so yeah there's a lot of gratitude actually Mm. love that well we'll definitely once this lockdown's over definitely have to meet up for for a drink because we can we can have a drink oh Oh my god I'm not gonna lie Jade it's gonna be girls gone wild because (laughs) like every time I meet up with like wellness friends for like you know, a bit of a chilled night out is always the craziest because everyone spends the whole year being really holier than ah. thou. So, so yeah, so Love watch it. out. No appointments the next day. It was so great to meet Samantha and hear about her experiences with ecstatic dance. So now I'm off to Udara to meet Sean Goldberg and to experience ecstatic dance for myself. Good morning, good morning. We're going to start, so please get up. For going on a journey, taking along your authentic self, this journey of movement, moving however you wish, daring to be seen, and seeing others in their authentic journey knowing we're in this together. guides and protectors and the ascended ones to bless mankind and to be present here with us. Let us walk upon the earth gently as true spiritual warriors, interdimensional midwives giving birth to our true self. When I walked in, it was a much better venue than I expected, actually. So as soon as I walked in, there's the sea at the far end. And then when you turn around, the DJ's at the very end. So the DJ's like playing out to everybody and it's all open air. So you can feel all the wind coming through, which is amazing. I have to admit, the first five or 10 minutes, I thought, oh my God, 
I feel so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> what am I doing here? Why am I here? Like, this is totally out of my comfort zone. I didn't feel comfortable. And actually, at one point, I thought to myself, I, I actually hate this. Like, I'm really not enjoying it. I feel uncomfortable. It's like just a full of a bunch of sweaty weirdos. <laughs> and I felt really bad for thinking that. But genuinely, that was like my internal dialogue. And then something within me just sort of let go. And I thought, you know what, like, just go into it, sort of stop holding back. And then when I did, I started really enjoying it. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe it's quite nice to be doing this sort of stuff sober and being a bit more present with it rather than having to be, because I have to admit, I'm not a good dancer in any way, shape or form. So usually I have to have a few drinks before I even get any confidence to dance in front of people. So all of a sudden being in a room full of about 100 people dancing with no clothes on, it was a little bit daunting. I mean, it was kind of in a way like a typical rave where at the front near the DJ was where it got more and more intense. A lot of the characters there looked like they could be off Lord of the Rings or something. There was a guy with long blonde hair with his top off and sweat dripping down him and ripped abs, like playing this big drum at the front. And it just looked amazing. And then there was another group of guys nearby at the front as well, that like every so often started dancing with each other. And it just sort of, it felt really human and natural and like just another way for people to connect. One thing I did notice is at one point I thought, right, I'm going to close my eyes and sort of feel into this. And I felt so much more comfortable, like closing my eyes and just sort of feeling the music and dancing around and feeling like I was the only person in that room. So all in all, actually, I went from really not liking it at the beginning to at the end being like, ah, oh, I get it. I get I can understand how this can make you feel more ecstatic I guess and a bit more elated I would actually really like to go and try the Morning Gloryville one when I get back because I think that would be even more intense and even weirder ecstatic dance could be one of those things that a lot of people that you might find comfortable to do but for me this was definitely the most challenging and the one that I had the biggest ick to do it did feel quite challenging and uncomfortable and not nice, but by the end, I'm glad that I did it. So now I'm going to go and get some lunch and then I'm going to be speaking to DJ Sean. So we are in a gorgeous room at Udara. I actually can't believe this. I think they've given us like the honeymoon suite to this do this it. interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> right in front of us is this amazing ocean. I can't actually quite believe it, which was also surrounding us whilst we were doing the amazing ecstatic dance. So um, I'm here with DJ Sean Goldberg. Nice to meet you. Thanks nice to meet me. you. No, thank you so much for coming on. I uh, I have to say that was quite an experience upstairs doing mm-hmm. that ecstatic dance. How was it for you? I was high. <laughs> I, like in my younger time, I've I've known to party a lot and I haven't for about 15 years or so, but this is for me as high as I get. Usually I find dancing very uncomfortable. Like mm. it doesn't come naturally to me. I don't know if you're the same, but like, when I used to party and stuff as well, like, I, trust me, I used to go hard sort of thing, but I would need alcohol uh-huh. or other substances to sort of give me that high. Yeah. So when I first started dancing, I was like, shit, like, I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> and then as it slowly went on and people were getting a bit more into it, I was like, oh, shit, I'm enjoying <laughs> this. Uh-huh. What's happening here? How did you first get into this? Actually, I I always loved dancing and I was the same as you. It was always around party culture in Australia. That's where I grew up and we like to party as much as the English, I think. Yes, you do. I used to live there. I'm very, yeah. And yeah, and and I would say substances are a central part of the party scene, right? If you're not drinking and not partying, uh, not taking drugs, then you kind of feel out of place. So I started my yoga journey like 10, 15 years ago and stopped all of that. And then dancing kind of went out the door. But I would dance and I love music, but not in public spaces because of this awkwardness. And then about five or six years ago in Thailand, I went to an ecstatic dance and I was as bad as high as I ever remember being on drugs and no, having, not to have it come down at all. So 
sold. I mean, I do feel much better after that than, yeah, you, you know, out. usually if you uh-huh. went to like Warehouse Project. I don't know if you've heard of that in Manchester. It's like these massive raves and me and my friends used to go there quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a like a massive version of what we just experienced at Ecstatic Dance, but everyone is like on a different planet. Yeah. And then the days afterwards, you just feel so anxious and depressed and stuff that then for me, that is not worth it. I would never, ever, ever want to engage in that sort of stuff ever again. I I used to love festivals and I actually went to Rainbow Serpent like two years ago because I was like, okay, now I enjoy dancing. It doesn't matter. And uh, the the drug scene is quite different to 10, 15 years ago. So also people ODing and people having hard times. There's a music festival in 40 degree days in a forest. It just made it clear to me that, okay, I don't need any of that. It can still find the high that I, I get from dancing, but internally was the same story with yoga, right? I was doing a lot of yoga to try get those states of high. And then I saw, oh, this is here with me without any substances. You can produce that all internally by different types of breathing or different postures or meditation even. So yeah, I find that these two things really intertwine very well together. Yoga and ecstatic dance. Yeah. Oh, really? They have a very similar core principle, which is just to be present and whole with your body, movement and mind. So you're not really thinking about the future when you're out there. You're not remembering all the stresses that you're carrying Mm. and you're just moving your body as it feels it's needed, right? So that high is possible for all of us in all the times. But what I like about the ecstatic dance is it really is this journey. Because if I just threw you in the middle of that, you probably wouldn't have got that same high. Yeah, it it builds up, doesn't it? So at first it was quite mellow and slow and that was the part where I was like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. What am I doing here? Uh Oh my God, can I sneak out the front door and no one will see me? And then it started building up and I was like, oh, this feels more comfortable. This is my more like safe space. Uh But then by the end and it sort of went slow again because I'd got into it, I was like, Okay, I like this. I'm uh-huh. enjoying this. And the great thing about the space at Udara mm-hmm. is the sea. And like one of the moments was just amazing when I was thinking, I'm too hot. The music was banging. And then it started absolutely pouring mm-hmm. it down with rain. And I went and stood at the edge and the wind was hitting my face. And I was, I actually had a moment where I was like, holy shit, I've just realized where I am, what I'm doing. There's uh-huh. crazy people dancing all around <laughs> me. What's it like for you? Uh-huh. Do you look at everyone and think, ah, oh, like, do you get a buzz off it as well? Wow. Like just talking about it and remembering that I'm full of goosebumps. Oh yeah, I can see on you. It, yeah, it's like, uh, it's it's a high, you know. I felt a little nervous, obviously. There's a lot of responsibilities standing <laughs> yeah, in front imagine. of, uh, you know, a hundred people that are uh, relying on you having the whole the whole thing worked out because this is a new experience for me. It is well. a lot of pressure, I can imagine. Yeah, but it's it's uh, and it's an adrenaline rush for sure. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about the fact that there is like this natural high and stuff and I think a lot of humans are sort of searching for that release uh-huh. or that you know that feeling that you do get if you have a glass of wine or yeah. actually if you do do some yoga or if you do do dancing why do you think this is so important to help people get to that state yeah it's interesting because you talk about wine and alcohol and many of the drugs and uh, medicines even that we take is reducing our awareness and our sensations and our feelings because they're too overwhelming and all of the pressures that we feel in life can take us over and if you notice that when you feel stressed you change how you breathe you change how you move you change how you sit everything changes and because of that change you start to hold that all inside of your body so yoga is a an ancient science that has evolved to start to squeeze the tissues and move the muscles and get the energy flowing in different ways to your normal postures like when you're sad and upset so these are ancient ways to move the energy and help you release these things. But dance works the same. And actually one of the pathways in yoga to samadhi or enlightenment is dance. Like there's mystical dance as a, as a pathway in itself. You know, it's a very different style of dance, obviously, than ecstatic dance. But through the ecstatic dance, everything moves. You know, mm. you're, you, you lose sense of yourself and it's an expansion of consciousness as opposed to all these drugs that we take. This is allowing ourselves to feel so everything can flow and move really, which that's what we want, right? Definitely. It's it's easier to experience than to explain it. Yeah, totally. It is. I always think when you look at a baby, if something happens to them, instantly they'll sort of expel that energy in a different way. So say like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, if they're 
irritated or something. They'll throw a tantrum and they'll throw their legs and their hands. And obviously when we get older, we don't do that anymore. I bet the energy, or this is how I interpret it anyway, Mm -hmm. and you might be able to elaborate on it, but I feel like we still want to throw those tantrums. We still want to throw our hands up in the air Uh and shake and sort of get that energy out in a different way. But society has said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, that's not acceptable. You don't do that. And I feel like ecstatic dance could really help you to expel that energy. And look, I can talk from a male's perspective. Obviously, your perspective is different. But I think those, those restrictions on what it is to be a male in society is even more than on a woman. Anger is not okay. Like the, the typical archetype of a man is, you know, this look at how many men are in prison and how many men are getting in trouble with the law because of their ability to not express their anger in healthy ways, right? And then it comes out in these explosions or in these um, aggravated um, manners. So wouldn't it be amazing if there was a healthy release of that anger that they could actually express that? Because all it is is it's energy, right? And depending on where that energy goes, it can be frustration or it can be joy. So an easy example to understand is, say, jealousy. You look Mm. at jealousy, it's just love, right? It's love that is not really having an opportunity to be expressed. You see somebody and then you love them and you want their love, but you uh, don't feel like you're worthy of that love and you see them loving somebody else, so you feel jealous. But at the depth of it, it's love that's been twisted. Mm. So this is like energy is trying to move and it gets stuck and then when you can actually free it, then again you just feel that love that was there underneath. But when you can stay in that place and have that energy flowing, you can feel anger and sadness, but then you still reconnect to the love that's underneath it. Yeah. So in a way it's all love is just moving. But if it gets distorted and contorted, it comes out and is expressed in different ways. So I feel like ecstatic dance just helps to move all of that stuff, clean out the basements a little bit. And yeah. You know, but there's many practices, but dancing is a, a beautiful way to do it. That was one of the things that I was actually most surprised about with the dancing. Mm. There was a lot of guys there mm-hmm. and they were the ones that were actually a bit more involved with each other. Like uh-huh. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen two guys dance with each other. Yeah. It wasn't a flirtation. It wasn't a, there was no intent behind it, yes. but it was very, it felt really tribal. That's it the is. only way I can describe it. Yeah, and and the, some of the music, for example, that I choose is to get into this tribal mm. feeling, you know, just to have this togetherness. You know, there is a lot of, there's a science in all of this that comes from the tribes. You know, they, there's a reason they dance together as a, as a tribe like this. Uh, it connects us. And what goes really well with ecstatic dance, which you are probably talking about, is contact dance. Sometimes there's also these styles of dancing, which is contact dance, where people are molding their bodies to each other. And this is a dance, but with a tribal feel. So say if I moved my right arm above someone's body, they'd sort of move back. And then if they moved their arm above you and you lean back, it's almost a bit matrixy exactly. looking, isn't it? Exactly. But it kind of feels like they're flowing together. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're coming into this flow together and they're leaning on each other's body and using each other to support and dance and move and all the while connecting to the music. So it's just this expansion of consciousness that's constant constantly happening but yeah it's it's amazing for men and women if you look in most spiritual things like i run yoga teacher trainings and it's 80 90 women really yeah so we, we we run groups of 25 and there's two or three men in every course that that's it and so it's nice to come here and see that maybe they don't know that it's it's something but they know they feel good right yeah and i think that's the the main thing you know you release and you leave it all on the dance floor and you go home and you feel high so good. Yeah. I mean, one thing I did notice there as well, there was people from all walks of life there. Mm-hmm. Like I looked around at one point and I was like, he literally looks like he's come from an office block in the center of London. Uh-huh. And I looked at someone else and thought, she looks like she lives in the Amazon. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I looked at someone else and thought, okay, you look normal-ish. Uh-huh. I looked at another guy. In fact, there was quite a lot of Lord of the Rings-esque <laughs> looking men there. Uh-huh. Very attractive, I must say, actually. <laughs> so it's funny how it sort of brings so many different types of people and they can connect. Uh-huh. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest barriers is people just feeling scared to come dance without alcohol. Like that's the, or, or, or anything else. And they're like, how do you interact? I don't want people to see me dancing. I'm, I'm awkward. Mm, but that's nobody, how I felt. nobody cares. Yeah. Everybody's just dancing, you know, and you're, it doesn't matter what you look like. Some people are rolling around on the ground and <laughs> some are jumping in the air. Some are rolling on each other's bodies. and Some are screaming. Yeah. Sometimes screaming, shouting, yeah. getting all tribal. But 
yeah, uh, or just sitting there watching the ocean and internally dancing. You know, it's, everything's okay, and that's one of the beauties I think of the ecstatic dance is just if it's if it's held in the right container, and that it's good to understand some of the rules before you you go to that because there is a there is a system to ensure that there is that freedom and that safety. You know, so what's that? You're not talking, for example. You're yeah. you're in silence while you're you're dancing. It's not just a dance floor, so that we're there chatting about what we're going to do on the weekend, or that guy's cute, or you know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's uh, which you know that's what you'll see in, in in bars. You're going there to pick up, whereas here you're coming to dance. It's a it's a, a different situation. So that holding that container is really important, and then uh, also respecting each other's space. You know, having that possibility. If you want to dance with other people, it's okay. But also, if somebody wants their space, you can just make that gesture, and it's very clear and understood. So, for example, that you can feel safe to express yourself and not be looking for sexual attention or trying to pick up. You know, this is the other thing that differentiates. I would say they dance ideally from a club. For example, actually, that is that makes a lot of sense to mm-hmm. me because usually when I'm like in a club or not that I really go clubbing anymore, but or in a bar or something and dancing is taking place, uh-huh. like sometimes I feel a bit awkward or and I don't really want to be like I'm not there to pick up or something like that. Exactly. And with there, I felt like I could dance like a bit of a bit of an idiot. I think if I danced how I did though at home like that, people be like. <laughs> get out uh, you, you might get some <laughs> funny looks or like wow she's on some really good drugs <laughs> um i know that your background's obviously in yoga mm-hmm. and you train in thailand mm-hmm. would you be able to share more of a journey of how you actually ended up here in bali yeah it's a bit of a strange one my my training is as a physiotherapist actually i worked for two or three years as a physiotherapist and i was always interested in the internal reality like why am i alive who am i you know i remember as a child looking in the mirror going who is that that's looking back at me like difficulty to identify with having a physical body which normally you go to a psychologist and they say you're crazy and you Mm. take some some medications and the yogis are saying wow you're having some insights there so when i found yoga two or three years after my training in Thailand. Actually, I went there to just go to full moon parties and get high, you know, because I like dancing and taking yeah. mushrooms. Uh, I ended up going to a, a yoga school with a friend and stayed there for a month, which turned into a year, which turned into five years. So basically for about five years, I was studying and learning and, t- and then eventually teaching yoga. And because of my physiotherapy background, I started to teach anatomy to people that were doing yoga courses. Uh, and then eventually I moved to Bali and, and taught for a bigger school. And then Four years ago, I opened my own school. So this all kind of coalesced into me having a yoga school here in Bali, teaching people how to become yoga teachers. And what we noticed that this one month period of learning to become a yoga teacher, a lot of internal work was being done on a therapeutic side. People looking at habits and behaviors and patterns that they're they're stuck in because of their their lives and their environments and their their, their living patterns. And in the yoga course, they were finding that they could have release, but still there was a couple of techniques that we need just to to put them over the edge to like actually express all of that. And dance was one of the things. We also use many other techniques like breathing exercises um, or breath work as well we incorporate. But the the dance we understood very quickly. We do it about in the third week and it just explosions, you know. It's small groups, 20, 25 people, but many of them say that they've never danced or had had that feeling without. What sort of feeling then are you trying to? It's like ecstasy. Yeah. It's like a clean ecstasy with no paranoia, no come down, just a highness. Your body feels full of energy, full of prana. Like you can put it in these technical words, but it's just a feeling of ecstasy. Happiness. Happiness, yeah. Yeah, extreme yeah, yeah. bliss. Yeah. So, yeah, this is how I started to do it. And I, I, I started off by just making like little playlists basically. And then I was like, oh, I think I could probably play with some some equipment. And then started, I bought some decks and – yeah, that was about a year ago. So this is still a new experience learning how to to DJ the technicalities. But the music journey that I understand that. Yeah, you nailed that. Feels, that. that feels natural. But the technicalities, I, I'm still a, a baby. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was really good. It was a journey. Yeah. That's what was great about it. And mm-hmm. it's amazing, isn't it? The fact that this is one. So this is the last episode. The running theme has been it's all getting back to just being a human, mm-hmm. getting back to nature. You already have everything within you to sort of feel ecstasy. Uh-huh. And it does feel, it feels very natural and perfect that the ecstatic dance would be the last episode because yes. it's very much like, dance you know, like no one's watching. Yeah. Dance uh-huh. like no one's watching. We've mm-hmm. sort of gone through a journey where like, I've like 
spoken to people in a women's circle, mm-hmm. of that, which has been quite releasing in that way, doing breast work, which then obviously helps in different ways. And then uh, anyway, the whole thing, it just feels like this is like the final piece of the puzzle that's like, okay, mm-hmm. now just let go. That was the thing, letting go. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, like uh, that's the other thing that we talk a lot about with these yoga trainings. People come to course often thinking they need to add something more to themselves to become more to this more that and we often get told that but actually it's about removing all of those beliefs that we've been dragged down your parents said okay uh, little girls don't wear pants so you stop wearing pants and think you have to wear dresses all the time so you've been trained in a certain way how you need to be to be loved and respected and what's very useful is just taking yourself out of your normal environment and then saying well how do I feel now and just trying to find that connection and Dance is one of those ways where you just let the music take you over and let your body do what it needs to instead of your mind. Yeah. And and a big part of it is just dropping into your physical body because we're always thinking, 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 and that takes us out of the presence. You're just in the past or the future worrying about what has happened or what will happen. And when you're dancing, you can't dance to the last song. You have to dance to this <laughs> song, right? So yeah. in a way, it brings you into that presence and brings you into your body. And the more you can incorporate that, the more free and liberated you feel. And it's like losing that weight that you've been carrying, you know? It is. God, they should teach this stuff in schools. I wish. They? I wish. Even just how to breathe would be a great start. <laughs> but dancing, dancing, we know. We don't even need to, to be taught, right? You just get thrown in there. But that would be amazing. Imagine your end of year final party being a big, big yeah. aesthetic dance party. That would be so good, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Do you sometimes do the dances here? Yeah, that's how I found this place was I started to come and then I just spoke to Adi who runs the place um, and I said, oh, can I can I come play? <laughs> and he was, he was stoked. So, yeah, this is the second time I played. So, obviously, Corona, it was like now we maxing out as at a hundred. There was four hundred people here every weekend. Four hundred people. Yeah. It's like going to church. It's like you go to church, you have your connection, and you can live your rest of the week. You collect all your shit over the week, yeah. and then at the end of the week, you go and release it all, and then you start fresh. So yeah, there's definitely you can see that there's a big need for it, and it's popping up everywhere in more and more places, and they're not all the same, you know. Some, it's not as clear to keep those sacred spaces. You know, sometimes you can find there's a lot of sexual energy and, and, and this kind of play there. Um, it depends on the crowd, the space, the music, the, you know, everything. But um, I think with hell with the right intention, it's amazing. Love yeah. that. Mm. Just going back to your Jewish roots, if you don't mm. mind me asking, because mm-hmm. I'm in- really intrigued about this, because I wasn't like brought up in a religious family or anything like that. Um, so this spirituality world is very mm. alien to my family. Mm-hmm. So when I started having spiritual thoughts and feelings, mm. I almost felt a bit weird. How have your parents found you sort of transitioning into staying in spirituality, but sort of a different type? Well, what's kind of weird about my parents, they were hippies basically oh, growing really? up in the 60s. So they, uh, my dad actually, when I was young, he started to put me onto books about like these kind of guys that were doing internal work, but more with acid and LSD, like Timothy Leary and Albert Huxley, for example. So I grew up reading these kind of books to try because I was asking them questions about life that they didn't have the answers for. So they would give me these kind of alternative books. So I was always really curious about that. So my parents, they what their biggest fear was me not having a profession and just being a bum. So once I got my degree, is <laughs> that, that's all they cared about. The religion thing, they didn't, it wasn't an, an issue. It was as long as I could support myself, then I was free. So I got my degree and then I ticked that box and then I explored. And it was just beautiful that my degree fitted in well with what I want to do with my life. So they kind of met that ultimately it was about healing myself first. I was on a journey of how do I understand this and how to accept this and then helping other people. I love that. I also really love that you say that from a young age, you've been like, why am I here? What, like, you know, how am, who am I seeing when I look in the mirror? Yes. I've had that from such a young age. Like, mm-hmm. why am I here? What's the purpose? Like, mm-hmm. and I always remember saying to my friends, like, do you not think this is just mental that we are living on this earth nobody knows why and everyone's just going about their day-to-day life not even questioning and wondering and I have to admit it's only since I've sort of come to Bali Mm -hmm. went to India and did stuff there 
that I'm like, oh, there are other people in the world that also think yes. like this whole human experience is batshit crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, because if you, if you look at how generally the West looks at what the reason a person is here for is consumption. You're here to be a consumer. That's, if we put it into numbers, that, that's all you're here for. And for me, I think I was about 16 and I just realized I don't want to be an ant. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, like uh, I'm not here to to keep this machine running, which I don't necessarily even believe in. And I think uh, many people are waking up to that slowly. I think that that's where we're seeing this all this shaking in society is that people are starting to question it. But the issue is that the society is so built on it. There's so many structures to hold you in that pattern that there's no space to t- have the time and thought what do you want to do with your life you know at 14 I was what do you want to be (laughs) you need to study what you want to be for the rest of your life Mm. I don't even know that kid that was 14 if we looked at each other we would not believe that we're the same person how how can we be answering that question so I think there needs to be a space in everybody's life to take a time out from the machine and just be by themselves you know travel the world or go to India or go sit in the forest or whatever you need to do go dance for a month, but take that time and just feel like, what What do I want to do with Who this life? Who am I? Yeah, because yeah, I, I always think as well in the Western world, mm-hmm. the first question people ask is, what do you do? Yes. What do you do? Uh-huh. And like in Bali, that's actually quite an offensive question. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, what? You want to know what I do so you can put uh-huh. me in your hierarchy of whether I'm uh-huh. like respectable or not. Whereas in the Western yeah. world, it's very much... I am this, I am this. It's like, no, 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 that's not exactly. who you are. Exactly. That's what you do to make a living. Yeah, at, at this moment. And it can, at change. This moment. Yeah, <laughs> it totally. can change next week. So, yeah, and that limits us and puts us in a box so then we don't feel free. And then, you know, a, a big part of it is, like, for example, you, who who is the person that comes to our yoga training? It's, it's somebody that has come to a, a point where they're like, I can't keep living in the way that I'm living. Something needs to change. And then they think, okay, I'm going to go to Bali and become a yoga teacher, right? Because yoga has brought something beautiful in their life. For us, we see that as an opportunity, not just to create yoga teachers, but to give people a chance for one month to not have all the pressures of their family and their loved ones in the society and school and, and their job. And just for one month go, okay, well, what do I want to do with this life? And this is a beautiful place to do that. As you probably have experienced. It's perfect. Uh I feel like I'm leaving Bali with actually quite a clear vision of what I want to do. Perfect. When I was up in that space before, I was like, oh, I I know. (laughs) Shit. And I'm like, oh my Uh God, this means I've got to do it now. Uh So I'll I'll update you on that in the future. Very (laughs) exciting. Oh, it's been great. Very beautiful. I do actually have one last question, Uh which I ask all the guests. Okay. What are three things that make you feel good? I think I have to say dancing, right? <laughs> don't have to, don't have to. <laughs> no, but for sure, dan- dancing dancing brings a lot of joy to my life. Surfing is my another absolute joy and that's one of the reasons I live here in Bali and then helping others. I think those three things keep me fulfilled. I absolutely loved speaking to Sean and I actually connected with him way more than I expected to. And it really makes sense a lot of what he's saying about moving your body to get rid of that excess energy. And the thing that stuck out the most for me was the men sort of dancing together and it did feel really tribal. And I've seen on programs like David Attenborough and stuff where tribes do do these sort of things and maybe there is something in that. Maybe we do need that release and a way to sort of feel back into ourselves and feel a bit more normal again. So even though I really did not enjoy the ecstatic dance initially, towards the end I thought maybe this is something I could do with a bit more of, just letting go and loosening up and not, I guess, trying to feel in control of the situation. It's okay to like dance around and be playful and not be worried about what other people think of you or or how I look. I also want to say a massive thank you to Samantha Moyo and Sean Goldberg for being a part of this episode of Finding Feel Good. And a huge thanks to Udara for hosting today for us. It's been amazing. I'll also put those links in the show notes. So it feels a little bit emotional now sort of talking about this because this is the very last episode in Bali. I'll be flying home after this and reflecting on what I feel I have learned from Finding Feel Good. I'll see you next time.